in the book of Exodus, and in the fall we'll be uh, starting, uh, I think, a study in First Thessalonians. But uh, for the summer, we've been blessed to just uh, have an opportunity to hear from um, leaders uh, in our church, the elders, just speak on different topics. And basically, this is kind of a wisdom series where we're just allowing and inviting um, different ministers and teachers from our community, as well as uh, around the city, to just uh, come and share with us a message from the Word about something that may be uh, uh, heavy on their heart or just an area of ministry that they're really passionate about. Um, so today we're going to have Pastor J.J. Sherwood. Sherwood, all right. Thanks, brother. Uh, he's the lead pastor at Five Point uh, Ministry in Arbon Hill, Michigan, right? Yeah. All right, and uh, he's here once again. He's been here before to share with us, and it's always been a wonderful, edifying time. So I look forward to see what you have to share with us today. Can I pray for you, my brother? Dear Gracious Father, Lord God, just thank you for uh, just godly men, Lord, who, uh, who have just taken the time to just dive into your word, to study, Lord, and to bless your people with. We thank you for Brother JJ, Lord, just uh, being able to um, take a Sunday to spend with us, to edify us as we continue to do life together as a covenant community, as well as uh, in the 48214. And so, Lord, we thank you for just all your grace, uh, your kindness, and your mercies, Lord. And um, mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to uh, uh, prepare our hearts and, and to be able to focus on what you have to minister to us today. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. And thank you. Uh, greetings from Auburn Hills. Not too uh, hard to get down on a Sunday, even with all the construction. So it's a nice drive. I have three kids, so I relish every moment of quiet I can get. Um, and so when uh, I was asked to preach here, I said yes. Uh, and uh, look forward to that drive down. And the drive back, actually. So, um, But one thing I didn't realize when, they, uh, when Leon asked me to come and preach today, is that um, it, it would be, be a little... Whoa. Uh, a little different on the first Sunday of the month. Uh, so it's nice to come to new communities and learn and see how you guys worship. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's already hard uh, for uh, guys like me to sing and do motions at the same time and uh, not look completely ridiculous. Uh, so, but then, not only that, then I had to find a partner for one of them. Um, so I'm way outside my comfort zone, uh, suburb, white boy, trying to do motions and sing, and then had to find a partner to do it. So um, thank you for teaching me a little bit more about what it looks like to be the body. Um, if you want to see me freak some people out, maybe I'll try and do that in a couple weeks with, with, a, with a few of my folks back in Auburn Hills, and um, they'll probably be sorry that they made me the lead pastor uh, if we start doing that stuff, but it is great. We love doing things with kids. It's great to see how you guys are doing things. It's my first time in the building, um, so we heard about it, been praying for you. Uh, met with uh, Leon about what you guys were doing here a year and a half ago about things, and so it's just been great. Um, and now to be in the building, um, it's great to praise God's faithfulness uh, with you. So um, I'm just thankful uh, to be here. We're going to be in Philippians this morning, so if you want to turn to Philippians, um, I'm going to read just a couple verses from chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. We're going to look at these uh, verses today. And uh, verse uh, 12 through 14 of Philippians chapter 3. 
So it's not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and ask God for his help. Father, we come and as we come to your word, we want to humble ourselves under it, uh, but we know left to ourselves, it's a waste of time, so we need you your grace to give us eyes to see your glory and the beauty of Jesus in these pages. Would you give us ears that would hear, hearts that would receive truth, and then as we leave feet that would walk in it and press on towards the goal you have laid out before us in Christ. So we need your grace and your Spirit's help come among us. May we say at the end of this day uh, that, the, that the Lord was with us, wasn't he? So do that, we pray, for the glory of your name. Amen. I love Philippians. Yes. All right. It's okay. Thank you. That would have been distracting all, all hour. Uh, I love Philippians. Uh, one of my favorite letters to teach on and, and read and invite uh, new people into the faith to walk through with me. I mean, it's got such a grand view of life with God in Christ by the Spirit, right? I mean, these high calls. Uh, God began something in me. He's going to complete it for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. You got all these great high view of what life is like when it's transformed by the Spirit uh, to be all out for the glory of God. But when we speak of these things, these high calls, these grand visions of what life can be like, we also have to address the danger uh, that, that lurks in the background. Because um, when we speak of shoulds and oughts, like life should be like this, or we're calling people to believe this and live like this, you can't lay, uh, lay off or leave off Uh, also addressing what really is, right? Philippians soars in the heights of living in the power of the resurrection. We just sang about it, right? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives within you so that you can know the surpassing worth of Jesus compared to everything else, right? You can compare everything else as garbage to Jesus and really live like it. Uh, It considers the folly of putting confidence anywhere else but in Christ, But if you're like me, Thursday afternoon rolls around, and I hear these grand visions, and I look back on my week, and I think, wow, how far have I fallen short? And that's just this Thursday. You know, I don't even want to tell you about the rest of 2017. So when we have these calls, right, we see the truth on the pages of Philippians, and we see, right, and we hear this call to live with God and what it could be like and the joy that's there, Then we have to come face-to-face with the reality that we live in a fallen world uh, and and daily struggle with life in a sinful world. So for some of us, when we hear these grand calls and then we are on Thursday afternoon and we we think, man, what happens? It's only been a few days since the Lord's Day, since I was gathering with God people. It can lead to some discouragement and some complacency. And you look around and you think, I must be the only one that struggles like this. I must be the only one with competing desires for God or who doesn't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I must be the only hypocrite in the room that just, you know, says Jesus is better but doesn't really live like it. 
I mean, even Paul says at the beginning of Philippians 1, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? But when I am sitting on Thursday afternoon with face-to-face with a brother, I have to confess, you know, a lot of times, for me to live is me. (laughs) And death is something I don't want to face right now. So what are we going to do? So I hope for you, brothers and sisters, either this morning or maybe sometime this week or maybe sometime in the future, if that you come face-to-face with that large gap, the first words of verse 12 are a source of comfort and strength. I mean, even the Apostle Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Because I don't know about you, I don't know you all personally, but the longer I walk with Jesus and the more he grows in beauty and grace and glory in my life and, and my heart soars when we sing, you know, when I'm with brothers and sisters. And, but then I, I'm also aware as I, the longer I go there, the greater the looming sin grows in my life. And I, I'm more aware of my own shortcomings and the sin that dwells so deep inside that I'm sometimes spectacularly blind to, that I need the brother to point something out in me. And then I'm even more like, how, how are these things, how they go hand in hand? The deeper I go with communion with Jesus, the larger my sin looms. And so there's a comfort here, isn't there, in knowing that you're not the only one who still feels like what you long for and what you want isn't how uh, you always act. It's not how we always think that Jesus isn't always the top or supreme desire. And he says, you're not alone. You're not alone. But a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we take that and say, oh, great, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> We can't relieve the tension of the glory of Jesus and the greatness of my sin by saying, well, I'm just not alone. That's just how it is. We can't let these words lead us to be content with our sin, to coddle it, to let it have some area of my life that, well, we're not going there. That's mine. And a lot of times when when we hear the call that says, I'm not even there. And you're like, well, if you're the apostle, man, what, what, what chance do I have? So we just let it... We just let it sit and we say, well, there, there we go. That's all I got to do. I just got to say, well, no one's perfect. But we can't let these words lead us to be content with our sin. It's actually supposed to not just comfort us, but give us some strength. Well, I love summertime in Michigan, right? It's great. You can actually be outside and not, you know, freeze. And, and, and we, we finally enjoy God's creation because we've been inside for the last eight months. Um, but all of a sudden, if you're a real, true Michigan, you know, resident, as soon as it gets hot, what do we start doing? Complaining about how hot it is, right? And it's how humid it is. And, you know, here we go again. We try to find some shade. I have some shady trees. I love sitting outside, but I can't just bake in the sun like people who just love sitting on the beach or people who live in the south. They just love it, right? I got to find some shade, right? Here's some shade right here. But it's not shade, so we sit there all the time. Paul's not giving us some shade on our lives that says, okay, we're not no one's there. I'm not already perfect. I haven't obtained this. But it's not shade so you just sit there forever, you know? Like if I sat on my tree for the next four months, my wife would be coming to one of your elders and say, I need some help with this guy. He's just sitting there doing nothing, right? So the shade here isn't supposed to just let us be content. It's supposed to renew our strength in the fight. That's why he continues on in verse 12. He says, but I press on to make it my own. He says, I press on to make it my own, even though he knows I'm not perfect. And this this huge gap, he says, I I press on to make this true of me. 
So maybe you don't feel like you can't do this, right? Maybe that's not your struggle, right? Maybe you're like, yeah, I know we can't do it. And you look around at the sorry group of sinners that the Lord's put with you and say, you know, look at this, right? If the Apostle Paul can't do it, if I know these godly men and women can't do it, you know, I know it's in the Bible. I know the pastor's got to say these things, but come on. <laughs> this is just a pipe dream. And we just give lip service to it. But God doesn't allow that either. He says, verse 12, you press on to make it your own. Now, we haven't, and we don't have the time to go through all of Philippians, right? But what's that it he's talking about? What's he pressing on to make his own? It goes back to the already and the this in verse 12. But look up into that uh, section above it in verses 8 through 11. He says, I'm pressing on to make these things mine. Look at verse 8. He says, I want to know Christ, (laughs) I want to know Christ and his surpassing worth. I count everything as lost compared to knowing Jesus. That's what he wants to press in to be true. Even if he knows it's hard and he isn't there yet. And a lot of times his, his life doesn't look like he really wants to know Jesus. He wants to know other things. Look at verse 8 and 9. He says, I want to gain Christ and be found in him. Verse 9, I want the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Verse 11, he wants to know that he, is, he one day will attain the resurrection from the dead. He wants these things. He's going to walk out of writing this letter and press into making those things true. In other words, what he's, he's just continuing building on. Look at verse uh, 11 and 12 in chapter 2. Sorry, verse 12 and 13. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So he's pressing into that. He's working out what it means for Christ to be a savior, for the Holy Spirit to be real, for sin to be eradicated and its power cut off for the people of God. He wants to press into making that real in his life. It's the playbook for working out your salvation, for being sanctified. And remember, uh, there's two sides of being sanctified, isn't there? You're first and finally, you are sanctified. Then it's true. You are, in the eyes of God, by faith in Jesus, sinless. Because you've been clothed with Christ's righteousness. He's taken your sin off him by faith and he put his righteousness on you. So you are sanctified, right? But we're also being sanctified, aren't we? More and more. We are in the process of being sanctified. That's what he's talking about. God works in you, verse 13 of chapter 2, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In chapter 1, he says God began this work, right, when he saved you, but he will complete it. What he began, verse 6, you're not on your own to be sanctified, but we are being sanctified so that one day we can say, for me to live is Christ. But it's going to be on that one last final day. But until we get there, more and more, we look back and we got brothers and sisters that can say, maybe this Thursday you feel like this, but look where we've come from. You, yeah, we're not already there, but you've been pressing on. We're being sanctified, he says. To live is Christ. That's what he's pressing in to know. I was reading a lot about sanctification lately. This one author says it this way. He says, holiness is more than avoiding sin. It's cultivating the character of Christ in us. Holiness is more than just avoiding the bad things, right? It's about 
cultivating the character of Christ in us. And that's what Paul's saying here, isn't it? It's what he's pressing in. So that when we look around, when people see me, they see Jesus in me more and more. They see me pressing in to know him, to gain him, to be found in him, to have this righteousness, to be characterized by faith. And this is what we really long for, isn't it? Who wants just to live their life avoiding stuff? What kind of fun is that, right? And then, we, and then we wonder on Thursday where the joy is. Well, because we're not pressing in to know Jesus, we're just pressing in to avoid a lot of bad stuff. But we haven't replaced it with the joy of knowing Jesus. We haven't set our hearts on a new prize, which we'll get to in a minute. All right? And that's what he says here. This is what we really long for. Now, I don't know about you, but I had some health issues, right? And so some of you might have to, like, avoid foods. And I had to avoid a lot of foods for, like, six months just to figure out what was going on in me, right? I, I didn't want to eat at all, right? I, I just had to avoid. My whole life was avoiding. And for some of you, that's what the Christian life has kind of become, it's just about avoiding this, that, and the other. There's no, there's no joy there. There's no Christ there. There's no pressing in. You just set up all these barriers, and you're trying to, to do it on your own. But that's just half the coin of holiness. And you're missing out the joy of life, right? And then all we see are these large gaps. Well, here's Jesus, and here's me. And we get this despair and complacency. But he wants us to know him, to press in. And Paul says he knows Jesus, but he wants to know him more. Is that you? If all you're living for is to avoid things, then no, you're just, you're just pressing in to keep things at bay. But Paul says, no, I, want, I know Christ, but I haven't obtained it. I want to know him more. Right? I know I'm united with him, but I want to have this deep communion that I can't explain. He says, I, I know I'm covered. I'm righteous. I'm saved. He says, but I want to press in. Press into this deeper righteousness that, that I know I've been united with him. I'm covered with this righteousness from God that depends on faith. I want to live out that, that power of the resurrection that he says in chapter 3. I want this power that's there. So I, I, I know it's mine, but I want to see it eradicate sin from my life. He wants to press in to, to know this more. He, he presses on to make it his. Look at the reason he does so at the end of verse 12. He says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So what we see is he's building here, isn't it? He? he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Well, what gives him the strength to keep pressing on? Because Jesus pressed in to make him his. He's like, when I contemplate what Jesus did, it spurs me on. I, 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 my mind's blown when I think about how Jesus Christ made me his. So he says, I relentlessly pursue it. Think of everything Jesus did to allow Paul to press in here. Think about what Jesus had to do to make you his. He had to come. That's what Philippians 2 verses 5 through 9 are all about. Jesus stepped down from heaven humbled himself, was born as a baby. And then not only that, lived every moment of his life in perfect obedience to the Father. I mean, every thought, every word, every heart, action, desire, everything he ever longed for was in total obedience to God, perfect righteousness. And then not only that, the ultimate act of obedience, he went to the cross. 
He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross for sinners like us who didn't deserve it. Then his glorious resurrection on the third day, conquering sin and death. And then not only that, he says he pursued you. Even after all that, even after everything he did, we still didn't want him. He says he had to press in to make me his. He pursued Paul on that road to Damascus, didn't he? Then he even had to knock him off his horse and blind him. Because <laughs> Paul's like, he had to pursue me. So far was I against him and pressing against him. He pressed in to love me and save me. And he could have justly poured out that wrath upon us. That's what we deserve. But because of the great love with which he loved us, he chose instead to make some of us vessels of mercy. Not just so that we could go to heaven forever, but so we could be on display to the world. What it's like to see God's steadfast love. What God's bottomless mercy looks like. What's his amazing grace taste like? And to even do that, he had to make us his. It doesn't say we chose. <laughs> it doesn't say, oh, Jesus did all this and we came running. He said, no, Jesus Christ had to make me his. So I'm pressing in. And I don't, I don't know why you find yourself here this morning. Maybe you're like this Sunday. I don't want my Mac, my Mac Life group getting after me, so I'll just come sit here for a couple hours. Maybe you really like it. Maybe you like singing, right? Maybe you want the community and you feel lonely. I'm not sure, but left to ourselves, you wouldn't be here this morning. We would be wanting to sleep. Some of you here, I can't. Okay. I was paying attention to the motions. <laughs> Some of you would want to sleep. You wouldn't want to sing his praises. You're singing because everyone else around you is singing. Left to ourselves, we'd still be pursuing hell, brothers and sisters, and we'd be loving every minute of it. But God, to steal words from Paul's other great letter, but God, the best two words in the Bible from my perspective, but God, right? So now I press in, because God did this, now I press in to make Jesus my own. So what do you do when you feel stuck in sin, when you're not growing, when you feel like you don't know Jesus any better this year than you do last year? <laughs> and you think, oh, look at, all, look at all these people. If we can't do it, if we can't make a dent in the zip code. Or you think, you know, I'm the only one. Everyone else is doing fine. I'm the only one that can't get this right. What do we do? Paul says we stop looking around and we look up. <laughs> We stop looking around, and we just look up. We press into Christ, because he pressed in to make us his. We fill that gap when we see more and more of Jesus, and we love it, and our hearts are pulled that way, right? And then the tempter comes, and he tempts us to despair and doubt and fear and discouragement, because we see these are all true. What, what are we going to do? We fill that gap with the glory of the cross. He says, don't despair, don't coast. Don't give up. He says, brother, fill it in with the glory of the cross. Press in to know me. That's true. Isn't that freeing? <laughs> yeah, it could be an opportunity to despair, right? If you think, well, if the further I go with Jesus and the greater his glory is going to look, if all that means is the greater my sin's going to look and I got to do that for the next few decades, that's a little discouraging. But what he says is, all, the answer is the cross. <laughs> Just make the cross bigger so it fills that gap. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, let's, let's make the cross as big as I can. 
He says, I want to press in to know Jesus. So I think some of us would do really well if we don't wait till Thursday to say a few times in our week, Jesus made me his own. I mean, what, what difference would that make in your life this week? If before you got to the despair and the discouragement part, if you started out your day, you started out your lunch hour, you started after your afternoon coffee, then you, before you put your head on your pillow at night, you, you just say, Jesus made me his own. And you contemplate that for a few moments. I mean, you can make all the spiritual discipline lists you want, you know, all the resolutions you want to do. You want to, you know, resolve to kill sin in your life. Those are all great things. But if you don't start with Jesus made me his own, you have no power to sustain it. And then we just go through these cycles where it's all me, me, me. I don't know the power of the resurrection. I'm trying to do this with the power of JJ. But if I, if I start my day with, and then I res, re, make my day revolve around Jesus Christ made me his own, and, and focus on the cross, then all of a sudden I have these words, and I have the opportunity and the power to press in to make me his own. And, that's, and, and these words here, press on, uh, strain forward, make it my own, you know, forget what lies behind, which we'll get to in a moment. All these words here in this section are words for running a race. I hate running. I don't know if you like to exercise, but uh, I hate running. I know it's probably good for you, but I don't want to do it, right? So, and I don't know who, who uh, uh, in here likes running, but let's just say after, after the, the service today, you know, we go outside. Some of the kids would like this, but we had to find out who the fastest was at Mac Ave. We had this race, right? So what Paul is doing is kind of lining us up with this language here. Everyone would have understood that in the first uh, the, uh, at the Philippians church there, it's all this athletic imagery, right? And then you say, well, I'm not going to run very hard. Well, what, what if the la- whoever came in last had to pay for lunch, right? Now all of a sudden you're pressing, you're pressing in, right? Okay, so we're all lined up. And he says, on your mark, ready. Now what's the, what's the crack of the starting gun? If we're, if we're, all, in, if we're all in Christ and we're going to press in, we're going to Press forward, strain forward towards Jesus. What's the, what's the on your mark, ready? Yeah, what's the go in Philippians chapter 3? Jesus made us his own. That's the start. If you start with, well, I got to do this after today. I need to start killing some sin. I need to, I need to press in. I need to, yeah, I'm stuck over on this side. I want I to do, that, that's all good. And we're going to get there in a second. But what the first thing off the gate is, is the gospel. Jesus pressed in to make me his own. Because that's both the energy, that'll give us, that, that's something to sing about, <laughs> and, th- and that's something that's going to sustain you on Thursday. That's going to give you the energy to keep going. What's going to keep going when, when Satan is howling and prowling and trying to devour you? That Jesus made me his own. Because that gets me right back to pressing in to Jesus. And so that's the, the energy and the endurance, right? And that's why he continues on in verse 13. He says the same thing over and over, like if we didn't hear it the first time. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. He's like, I'm still trying, right? And then he gives us two things. We're told two things in the next few verses as we close and finish off this, uh, this sermon, all right? Two things. The first is a don't, all right? I do not consider that I have made it my own. So how are we going to press in? Well, first, I don't consider that I'm there yet, and I don't let that bother me. I don't let it stop me. 
I, I don't throw my hands up and just coast. Say, well, it is what it is. And I get the next 60 years to do whatever I want. All right, no, he says, I do not consider it my own. And most believe Philippians was written 30 years after that Damascus Road experience. 30 years for the Apostle Paul. 30 years of pressing in to know Jesus. 30 years of writing letters to churches. 30 years to know and to understand and to think about what it meant to be united with Jesus, to gain him, to be found in him. 30 years of knowing more and more the power of the resurrection. And you know what? He says, and I'm still not there. This gap is huge. <laughs> like, I see what Christ-likeness means and is, right? And I see this huge gap. Right? And he, 30 years, right? And so what's he say? <laughs> he says, I don't consider it my own. I've pressed in. So we got no excuses to coast. There's times for, this has nothing, or this is not uh, anti-free, or fray, if you're going to do the little uh, <laughs> French accent, right? Okay? It's not, that actually goes with it, right? There's rhythms in life. How are we going to press into Jesus differently in the summer? So that I know Jesus more, I know what it means to go deep with him, I know what it means to want to gain him more than anything else, right? And how am I going to help my, my brothers and sisters in Christ do that? How am I going to introduce my neighbors to something that far surpasses anything they could live their life for. She says, 30 years and I'm still not there, so don't coast, don't be satisfied. And so we pray regularly at Five Points for elders that do this. Are you the only elder right here to, this morning? Or is there another guy at least on your, okay, good, all right, good, two. <laughs> so not all Alvin, right? I'm not picking on Alvin. But brothers, you're supposed to be examples of this. What's it look like? Mac, pray for your elders, that, that, that they do this, that God enables them to do this, so that you know what it looks like to press in, especially through hard times. This is what we pray for at five points. And, and, and Satan wants to knock these two guys down, and Leon and Eric, and, and so that if he can strike a shepherd, he can scatter sheep. So pray. Pray for each other. O older believers at, at Mac, what does this look like? For you, right? Now, I'm, 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 not, I'm not 40 yet, so I don't know what it's like to, to be like Paul and walk with Jesus for 30 years and know what the depth of that looks like. You get a little taste of it, right? But older believers at Mac, what's it, what, you got to teach us young punks what it looks like and, and, and give us something to want to taste. What's it look like to know Jesus like that? There's some sweet old ladies at Five Points, and if I could do nothing but pray with them all week, you know, I mean, like, the depth of communion they have, you, you can't fake it. it. It's just 30 years of walking with Jesus. There's no other way. So, so want that. Pray for that. And maybe, depending on how, you know, salvation's working here, maybe it's just a decade, maybe it's just 15 years, but but fine, so this is what Mac Life Groups are all about, I think, right? So have those older believers teach us younger believers what it looks like. That when I can say, I'm going to press in so that I know it's going to take me another 10 years, but I, I want to get there. <laughs> you know what? So I can't just say it or sing it, but I know the power of the resurrection and what that means. And do it, you know, and no matter where you're at, Paul just says, older men, do it for younger men. So there's no age gap, but find somebody but it's got to be real for you. And are you, what are you pressing into? 
Paul says, don't just coast. Right? He says, press towards the goal here, the goal. And that's what he says. Don't consider you've arrived, but have this growing love of Jesus and a growing hatred of sin. So talk with some of your best friends and maybe your, your spouse, someone in your group. Ask them to be real with you and say, where are some areas that I'm not pressing in that I've kind of started coasting? And, and, and maybe there's areas I don't even know about, you know? Are you seeing something in me that's not Christ-like? Let's go after it. He says, don't coast. Don't consider you've arrived. But we're not only given a don't. Secondly, we're given a do here in verse 13. Look at it with me. From 13 to 14, it says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And like a great preacher, Paul says, I have one thing, but his one thing is made up of several things, right? Okay? So this is my final point, but there's like 17 points before we get to the... No, I'm just kidding. There's just four, right? So Paul's one thing. So don't consider I've arrived. I'm not going to coast, but this one thing I do. We got four things. So let's examine these four things here in our last few moments together. He says, first, I press on. He's like, well, I've already said that, right? But I don't know about you, but as a man, I need to be told a few things a few times <laughs> before I really hear it, okay? And he's just, I'm just repeating. I think he's being real with us, right? Don't do this. Do this. Are you going to resolve to do it? And I know the theology that we come from, where it's sovereign grace, and grace has to move us, and grace has to do it. I get it, right? But we can easily say, well, if God began it, he's going to finish it, and I just get to sit here. And that's what he says at chapter 1. But then, right after that, the whole rest of the book tells you to press into doing something. So the grace comes, yes, right, to even want to do it. And it's grace that's going to get us through. But that grace doesn't allow you just to sit back. That same grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to make you work. And he says, I'm going to press in to do this. Are you going to make that resolution, right? If you are, this is what it looks like. Look at the second thing here, right? The goal. He's pressing into a new prize. It's no longer defined by him. It's been transformed, right? I, I'm pressing into something new. And he says, the, he, he uses the same word to say press in that he used earlier in uh, chapter 3, verse 6, if you want to look at it real quick. In, these first, uh, in those four uh, verses. He's telling how, how he just used to live his life, what his life was all about, right? about who he was and how he identified himself, where he got his worth, how he was searching salvation. And then he even says in verse 6, he says, as to zeal, right? that's that same word for pressing in, right? it's that one-track, passionate pursuit of something, I was a persecutor of the church. So Paul used to find joy in that because he thought he was doing God's work. Right? He thought he was helping God's people become pure, and this new sect was helping turn the nation of Israel away from God. Right? So he's, he's killing these people that are saying Jesus is God. So he's doing all these things, right? He has this zeal, this one-track one mind, this passionate, dogged pursuit of something. Right? He says, that was my goal, to earn God's love by doing all of God's work in a really great way, and I'm going to do it better than everybody else. So much so that I persecuted the church, okay? Now what he says is I take that same passion and I've turned it because I have a new goal. It's this prize, verse 14, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
it's the same passion, but he's, he's got it shifted now. The same way that he used to search out the church, now he presses in to know Jesus. I have this new prize. And he doesn't specifically define the prize. So I have to look back to the context to understand what he's aiming for, right? In those verses at the beginning of chapter 3, he was aiming for his own righteousness. He's trying to earn God's love, earn God's favor. He wanted to be found. He, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was looking back at his family tree and all these great things that he'd done for the Lord, right? But now he says, no longer do I aim to be found righteous by how I fulfilled the law. But look at verse 9 in chapter 3. He says, I want to now be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So now he says, I'm going to press in to make my faith deeper. If, if it's not works, if it's not me doing this, but I get what I long for, if I get Christ by faith, well, then I'm pressing in for faith. That's my new goal. That's my aim, right? And it's this, not just a right standing, but it's these results, right? It's these things I gain from the prize of Jesus, and it's real life stuff. A lot of times when we talk about faith, it's kind of this like, what's that mean? Everyone's like, yeah, faith, uh-huh. Okay, like, just don't ask me to define it in front of everybody, right? And, and we just think, well, it's, we get this Christianese, this Christian language of kind of what it's like to live with Jesus. But it's not separated from real life because we have all the rest of Philippians around it. He says, I want to know Jesus. That's what I get from faith. Faith is Jesus. <laughs> faith is knowing that Jesus will give me something far better than anything else, even though I might not see it or know it yet. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to press in to know. I'm going to gain Jesus. I want the Spirit's power. I want the promise of the resurrection from the dead. He says, I'm going to press in to know that because I found that that's better than anything else this world can give me. He says, when I press into Jesus, not left wanting or hanging, he says, what I found is I can consider everything a loss because Jesus is better. Do you taste that? You, you, we pray for the mission. We pray for you often at Five Points at the beginning of our service in our pastoral time of prayer. We pray for MacAv regularly. But what's going to be better than, you know, some people 30 miles away and even having some great programs here is having a people that actually have tasted and seen and know and believe and live like Jesus is actually better. That he, he far surpasses in worth everything else. And what Paul's getting at there is not that he's just a little bit better, but the deeper I press in, the more I realize Jesus is actually better, far better than I could have ever imagined. And so he says, I have this call, and I want to press into it. And I have three kids, and when I talk to them, I realize they have selective hearing. <laughs> when I don't want them to hear, they can hear from three rooms away. When I am talking to them to their face to tell them not to do something, then they do it, and they say, I didn't hear you. Like, I'm, I just told you, you know, not to do it, right? Kids have selective hearing. And I was thinking about when I was young, we used to ride our bikes, bikes all around the neighborhood back in the day when you could actually do that and not be worried. And uh, we'd ride all around the neighborhood. And then about dinner time, you start hearing mom's call. Dinner time, right? Here your mom's calling you in for dinner. One by one, my friends would like peel off and we start going, right? You know why? Because hungry boys never miss the call for dinner. <laughs> they have selective hearing all the time, but not when they're hungry. 
And that's nothing compared to this call. I mean, we don't have selective hearing when it comes to God speaking. We're, we're dead, so we're deaf. Dead people are deaf people. You, we can't hear anything, but not when our God speaks. Not this God. We have this upward call, and he's calling you to something better. He says, he called us out of the grave. I'm calling you to this very life with me. Will you, will you put aside everything else, right? Don't consider you've made it. Would you resolve that Jesus is better? That's what he wants us to do. I want to press into this new goal. You have goals. You have a prize. You have something that you're living for this afternoon. You have something that you're going to press into. Is it Jesus? Is he going to reform and transform everything you do in your life? Now, how can we do that? How can we press into a new prize? Two things. Thirdly, we forget what lies behind, right? Paul says, I'm giving you this Google Earth view of my life. Everything that was great, at the same time I realized I was living for all these things, I realized they're my failures, actually. Everything I thought would get me closer to God got me farther away from him. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it all on the line. Everything I did, my hopes, my identities, my dreams, what I longed for, none of that gave me what I want. But when I found Christ, <laughs> found everything, I'm, I'm forgetting everything that lies behind. That includes our successes, <laughs> right? My, my failures, my shames, my successes, those things lie behind. You know why? <laughs> yeah, we can give victory and praise for those past things, but what's going to help me press into Jesus? That Jesus made me my, his own. That's the only thing that lies behind that we can focus on. Everything else, we just get tripped up on. He says, I'm going to forget everything that lies behind. I need Christ, right? So I'm going to fourthly strain forward. Strain forward to what lies ahead. The same zeal that I forget, I'm going to push forward. And those verbs are active there. Do you see that? It says forgetting, straining, right? They're meant to go together. There's this old Scottish pastor, his name is Robert Murray McShane. He said this once in a, in, a, in a book, I think, maybe a sermon. He says, for every look to self, take 10 looks to Christ. That's how you forget and strain forward at the same time. For every look to myself, I take 10 looks to Jesus. Because if I focus on self, I'm going to start worshiping me. I'm going to start being distracted with me, Right? I'm going to start thinking, well, I don't love Jesus enough, and my sin is so great, and me, 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 right? And then we start getting down, or we get up, or we stop doing our resolutions, or we stop doing this, that, and the other, and two weeks later, we're right back where we started. So it's both looking, right? When we look to self, he says, replace that with 10 looks to Jesus. Talk about how Jesus made you his own, how much better Jesus is, what Jesus has done to save you. Now, lie Forget what lies behind, strain forward to what lies ahead. And don't, don't we see Jesus here, brothers and sisters, in that? Isn't that how Jesus lived his life? I mean, a guy's doing miracles, perfect communion with Jesus, or with the Father. All these people coming after him. He doesn't glory in any of those things. He kept pressing forward, didn't he? Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Gospel of Luke, 
says, Jesus set his face to the cross for you. And there was one moment in the gospel where all these things, and he just said, I set my face to the cross. He set his face to Jerusalem to go to the cross for his people. And if holiness is not just about avoiding sin, but about cultivating the character of Christ in us, this is Christ in you, pressing in to know Jesus, having this goal. It's Christ. It's what the Spirit does. We talk about what life in the Spirit looks like. I want to walk in the Spirit this week. I want to have the power of the resurrection coursing through my veins, right? We talk about that. But here, here it is in real life. I want to know Jesus. <laughs> you tell me about Jesus? Could you talk to someone for 20 minutes about Jesus? That was my own challenge for me. I'm a pastor, right? Can I talk for 20 minutes to someone about Jesus? And would they see me not just, you know, repeating books and articles and blog posts that I know, but could they, could they tell that I actually believe what I'm saying, <laughs> that I actually believe Jesus is better, that I've tasted it, the Lord is good, and that so much so that it's not just my words, but my desire in me makes them want something because they've never seen anything like that in their life? Do you want to know what spirit is? you want to be a Christian? <laughs> It's setting yourself to press in to know Jesus. And then letting the Spirit work, yes. By grace, yes. But that's Christ in you. Our, our, our Savior was one-track mind to press in to save us. He set his face towards Jerusalem. He strained towards the prize. So let us set our faces to gain this joyful prize, brothers and sisters. So that as we're going about and our neighbors are out, we've got a new season of ministry here. They don't just see us doing some good things, but they see a people who, who, who are different, just what they love. And so as I close, I thought about how to boil this all down, right? How do you boil down these four steps into a single thought? And I remembered riding those bikes and that I never missed the call to dinner, right? Hungry people never miss the call. And you know what's so great about this is that the four steps, you know, do's and the don'ts and the pressing in, it's, it's not actually first starting with you. Thomas Watson, he was an old pastor as well. He's got a great book called All Things for Good. It's based on Romans eight twenty eight. Everything works together for the good of those who love God, right? He's got his whole book on it. He says this, God does not require that we should bring money with us to have this, only appetite. God, God doesn't want you to bring something to have this true of you. He doesn't want you to say, here's my plan to press into Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't want you to have to have it all figured out. He doesn't want you to have your list of disciplines and the sins you're going to kill and this, that, and the other, and how you're going to keep yourself accountable and how you're going to make all these changes. Right? That's not spirit-led. <laughs> it, it, it might be some of the means that the spirit uses, but what first we get at is, what are you hungering for? And summertime's a great time to evaluate that. What, what desires are driving you? All God wants is a hunger for him. <laughs> Do you have it? He wants you to starve yourself on everything else that's lesser and hunger for Jesus. He wants you to stop filling yourself up and satisfying yourself on the pleasures of this world and replace it with a hunger for him. And what we find from... Uh, Chapter 3, verse 8, is that when you start to do that, you begin to taste the surpassing worth 
of Jesus Christ our Lord. So brothers and sisters, what are you setting your face towards? What are you hungering for? Press on in hunger for Christ, the joyful prize. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for your word. We want to press on joyfully. We want to gain the prize of Christ. We know our sin that easily entangles us, that looms large. The ones that Satan comes after us and accuses us with. We know our own hearts, that we long for other things, that desires for you and you alone have to compete with other things. But God, give us the grace to be this kind of people. Give us eyes to see our Savior, who set his face to save us. And then give us the grace that we may respond the same, that we would press on to know Jesus as he pressed in to make us his. Father, I pray that you would begin to change this zip code, and not only this zip code, but from this zip code through Detroit and into Metro Detroit, that churches like ours would, would raise up and be this kind of people. That we'd see the gospel power begin to surge in our neighborhoods. That we wouldn't just sing about the resurrection, but we'd live in the power of it. That we wouldn't just talk about the spirit, but we would walk in it. So Father, do it, I pray, for the glory of your name. Make us press in to know you more because you pressed in to make us yours. Do it, Father. We pray for the glory of your name. Amen.